Okay, good afternoon and welcome back to the Conservatarian Exchange on the Liberty Block. We have four or five of our hosts here today, so I want to welcome everybody. Hi, Mike. Hi, Ed. Hi, Gina. Um, I'm going to let you guys kind of lead the show for a little while because I'm stuck in my car. So, <laughs> Mike, what's your biggest story of the week that you want to talk about? Oh, my goodness. I, I think maybe we should start off with Elon Musk, no? Ooh, yeah. And, and his big uh, potential takeover of, of Twitter. And, uh, you know, it's actually... It's actually kind of funny watching some of these left-wing crazies like Robert B. Reich. And I, I can invoke Rush Limbaugh, right? It always like Robert B. Reich. <laughs> and uh, he, he wrote an article, I forget where it was, whining about how Musk might be taking over Twitter and God forbid, you know, some crazy libertarian might be in charge. And that would lead to like some sort of despotic regime at Twitter, the authoritarian dream to be in control of Twitter and to control all that speech and shut people down like, oh, wait, like they're doing to us. So, <laughs> uh, you know, I'm, I'm uh, really a bit more hopeful than I was about la than last week about what Musk might do here. And, uh, you know, of course, as has been predicted, we predicted last week that he's going to be taking all, all the uh, ammunition that the, the left has uh, if he continues on this path and, and does take over Twitter and changes the culture there towards one that's, God forbid, more uh, acceptable towards free speech. I'm going to, I got to interrupt for one second. Sorry, uh, Steve, just to let you know, we are live, but we are live on the conservative exchange on the Liberty block. Uh, so we are on the page where it's only got 11 something. Just to let you know. So I don't know if you want to cut it out and go back to the other one. Sorry, I just me? realized that. I'm sorry. So we're live, just on the wrong page. Mm, I had the feeling. <laughs> I was wondering where it was. Well, I saw it pop up, and then I closed out my phone, and then I couldn't find it again when I went back. So I went to go double check, and yes, that is why. And there's one watching. That must be you, Mike. You must have just logged in. I'm, I am there, yeah. There you go, yeah. Should we do a take two? Steve, are you there? Me? Steve. Steve, oh. I'm Steve. Did we lose him? I'm here. <laughs> All right, Steve, we're, we're live on the wrong page. So I think we need to like cut this one off. Nothing I can do with it. No, I can't do anything about it now. All right. Guys, uh -huh. pick, you pick up on the Elon Musk conversation then. Well, I'm just, I, think, I think it's a great start. Um, and I really think he is going to have influence over Twitter, over the conversations. And uh, I'm excited to see where he's going to take it. How about you, Ed? I think it's way too early to tell. I mean, hopefully he will, but I mean, what power does he have yet? I mean, he's going to have to get controlling a controlling interest in the company, whether through outright purchases or by having people that agree with him give him proxy votes for you know when the you know when the shareholders meeting takes place. 
So by him not taking the that position on the board, he has that option. Now he can go over that 14.9%. So the question is, will he do it? Who knows what his motive is? I mean, it sounds like it seems like his motive is to bring a modicum of freedom and freedom of speech back to Twitter, but I don't know. Maybe he was just making a point too. I don't, you know, I don't know. Is does he have the well, does he have the wherewithal to, to take on that fight? I mean, that's going to be a gigantic fight. They're not just going to surrender to him. Well, why did, why did he decide to not go on the board? Right. Cause I think that your thinking was that that might be a sign that he was looking to purchase more shares and uh, potentially take really take it over. Well, it ended up being able to change his filing with the FEC, F, what is it, FCC, FEC, whatever it is. It allows him to make larger purchasing, and it allows him to do a lot more of this. I think it's wonderful that it he didn't be, take the position. It could be as simple as just, as a board member, he's limited in how he can criticize the company. And maybe he wants to be able to criticize, but that's as much as he wants to do. And maybe he bought the stake just to be you know, more visible. Yeah. Who knows? I mean, I'm hopeful. I hope you guys are right. I hope he takes over. Uh, I hope that he's got a free speech agenda. It seems like he does. But I'm in wait and see mode on this one. Well, he's at least accomplished that a lot of the Twitter Roddy are scared. <laughs> yes. So, yes. I mean, even Mike, you alluded to the Robert Reich article, I think. Yeah. And that was just a, an amazing piece of journalism. You know, since this show started, you know, even before you were a regular host, Mike, I, I've been saying that, you know, my, my, one of my taglines is every every accusation that the left makes is a confession. Right. And if you read that article, every single thing that he accuses Musk of is what the what the left is already doing. And yeah, you know, to continue as a one trick pony, the reason why we need peaceful separation in this country is when you read that article, we are just not living in the same universe. I mean, if that's not satire, then it's just nauseating. We, we're not in the same reality. Well, why do you say that, Steve? I mean, I think that he's in the same reality. He's just he thinks that it's OK when they do it, but not OK when we do it. But, but he ascribes motives and thoughts to us that are just Right. Unbelievable that we're the ones who want to crush free speech, et cetera, et cetera. So, again, <laughs> just our perceptions of reality have zero in common. It's Orwellian. It's like, you know, the Seinfeld Bizarro world. It's like what, what's up is down. What's out is in. I mean, to, to accuse libertarian minded people <laughs> of wanting to gain control of a, a, a platform which has been described as the almost like the world's town square uh, or town hall and, and you use it for purposes to you know presumably shut voices down when they're they're the ones doing that it really takes uh, incredible chutzpah <laughs> that was my when i started to read the article and it was painful my jaw dropped and that, yeah. that it's just truly or orwellian I, and then know, I saw it with Robert Reich. So I said, okay, I get why he's writing it, but it's just unbelievable. So. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just. I didn't crazy. see it as much as, I didn't see it Orwellian as much as I just saw it as plain naked evil. I mean, it was just intentional gaslighting. Mm -hmm. and, um, yeah, you know, okay. So let's say it's intentional gaslighting on his part, but the problem is that a good percentage of this country buys it. 
And that, that percentage of the country, you can't coexist with because they just see it the opposite of what we see it. Well, what, obviously what they're seeing and what, what they ascribe to us are also like evil motivations. And, you know, obviously Trump has been at the center of that, um, that they think that our, our voices and the thoughts that we espouse are so offensive, you know, whatever word you want to apply to it, that it, we're not allowed to say what we think. But, but all those things are true. They are offensive to the left. We oh, are I, I know. to the left. I, I, I get it. Right, but, I mean, but free speech it, but, has no value at all yeah. for them, and we're the ones crushing it. But, and they have no problem taking a, somebody who had a... It's, it's more important for them to shut so, us down than to believe in the principle of free speech. Yeah. Okay, Mike, since you mentioned the Trump word, let's talk about the Dr. Oz thing. I don't follow him. Maybe some of you are more familiar with him. I think I put six articles up in the show prep, in the show notes. Four were blasting Trump for it. One or two were kind of sticking up for Trump for it. What's your take? Is Dr. Oz that bad? Well, uh, clearly he's not a true conservative. He's, he's said and done some wacky things in the past. I think I shared one thing for our back channels of him. Uh, what was it about again? I, I'm Transgenders? Uh, yeah, transgender stuff. I mean, this is the problem when you have some of these like celebrity type people that, that come forward and, and they want to run for office. Like everything that they've said or done before, it's true of Trump too. It's all going to come the, to the fore. Now, Honestly, this kind of reminded me of years ago when the when the Tea Party movement was at its apex, and it was probably 2010, the the year of the, the year where the Republicans had their big landslide victory. And you had some of these national Tea Party groups doing these bus tours and going around the country and endorsing candidates. And they strolled into New Jersey and they endorsed like all these Rhino Republicans because. They really had no clue. They didn't do their homework. And I, and I think Trump is somewhat guilty of that, too, where, he, you know, he, you know, obviously his ego comes into play like he thinks he could just play the kingmaker. But I don't I don't think that he had, he has any clue what Dr. Oz is all okay. about. So the first question is, is Dr. Oz that bad? The second question is, is McCormick any better? Some are saying not. Third question is Trump no longer has an excuse to not know who he's endorsing because he was president. And head of the party for so long, so I don't buy it as an excuse. And fourth, there is that rumor out there that his endorsements go for between one and ten million dollars. <laughs> no, and that—that's pretty yeah. much fact-based. That's like almost right. firsthand. So, my view of Trump is still the same as it's been really for six years. I think, in his core, he has always been a, a contemporary of the Clintons. He's been a New York City liberal his whole life. I think that as a smart businessman, he he looked at the Republican field in 2015, sort of the same way that any of us might look at a at a baseball stadium where there where no one's selling beer or no one is selling hot dogs and looked at it and said, well, I could make a lot of money selling beer or selling hot dogs to these people. And lots of them want to buy it. He looked at all the people like Mike and Steve and Gina and, and Ed and me. And he said, there's nobody speaking their language. There's nobody, that's a political market that's being totally underserved. And he said what needed to be said and then delivered on what, what he said. He told us, I mean, he's, he's been, he supported abortion his whole life, but he went to the, to the rally for, you know, the March for pro-life. He's against, you know, he's, he's, 
hired illegal immigrants in the past, but he's now against illegal immigration. He's for building the wall. He, is, he said things that we wanted to hear and did them, but it doesn't change the fact that he has no core compass that agrees with us. And he tries his best, he does his best, but when, when the chips are down, he's, he's not able to, you know, he doesn't have the same moral compass that we have, so he's not going to make the same endorsements we do. He's not going to be able to stand up to Fauci and Dr. Burks and, and George Floyd and all the others because he just doesn't, it's not in his gut the way it is in our guts. And that's all that this is. And it's funny, I see it from a slightly different angle. I see him as a narcissist and anybody who sucks up to him, he'll endorse no matter what they believe. Yeah, like I said, the, the ego is at play. There's no question about it. And it doesn't matter what the facts are. And when you do have a narcissistic personality, facts can just be damned at times. It doesn't, it doesn't I mean, matter. I mean, you, I've dealt with personalities like that and, and you present something to them in their face of how they're wrong and it does, it, they're still not wrong. Steve, let me throw, let me say it like this, Steve. If that were the case, he'd be endorsing a lot of upstart challengers who are begging for his endorsement because they're it's not paying the enough. Uh, but well, what do you mean by sucking up? I mean, if you're talking well, about outright bribery, that's one him thing. and telling him how wonderful he is, and then there's the bribery, and those seem to be the two ingredients. Well, you I know, mean, the some people said to me than the sucking up. I think some people said. That, one thing Trump will do is he'll bring good people in with him, you know, his apprentice and all this garbage. And yet he managed to be fooled or tricked or bamboozled or whatnot into bringing every idiot possible into his administration and then probably blaming it on other people. But then is it because he wants people to like him? I don't know. I don't know if it, I agree with you that he has no core beliefs. But I think it's even more than that and why he endorses ridiculous people and why he's not listening to the naysayers. It's, they go to Mar-a-Lago, kiss his ring, and he gives them what he wants. I didn't say he has no core beliefs. I said that his core beliefs are different than ours. But he's just a smart enough businessman to be able to sell to us the same way, the same way that, you know, if we were if we were in business, you know, if we're selling this show, we're not we're not afraid of selling to people who disagree with us. And that's all I think Trump was doing. He's making sales to people that, regardless of what you know, whether he agrees with them or not, he wants something, and he'll. But that means you can't have no core beliefs. If if you're just selling what people want, I mean, you don't have core beliefs. Um, I mean, you're either pro-choice or you're pro-life. That's a core belief. No, I mean, if I if I want to sell if I want to go and 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 sell hot dogs, I don't really care what you who who you're voting for when I sell you hot dogs. Right. I no, mean, that's if you believe that hot dogs on, are dangerous, if you believe hot dogs are poison and you sell them, then you don't really have strong core beliefs. That's all. Well, if you believe that they're poison and you sell them, then you're a fraudster. But I don't yeah. know that he thinks that that they're poison. I think that he just, you know, I may not like hot dogs. You know, I may not eat hot dogs myself, but I, I don't think, they're, you know, I might not think they're poison and I can sell them to people that are willing to buy them. That doesn't mean I lack core beliefs. It doesn't mean I'm you know, lacking integrity to my own core values. I think it's something a little bit different than that, Steve. What if his core values have changed over the years? And we're just making an assumption that he no longer, or that he does not have the core values because of something that he used to be or used to do or used to say. I want, I wanted to believe that, but then I look at the events of 2020 and how he refused to stand up to any of the leftist mobs. He refused to stand up to the Fauci and, and Burke's people. 
he didn't do anything that a, a, a true conservative would do. He let but the see, country uh, fall I, apart. Sorry. I, I don't know if his political instincts were always there. And right. I don't know sometimes whose advice he was taking. Well, that's what I was just going to say. So like, you know, you got Mark Meadows in his ear. Everybody knows Mark Meadow is, I'm going to use that word again, a punk. That's why, you know, Ted Budd. Why has Ted Budd been endorsed? Because Mark Meadows, you know? So it wasn't like Trump was like, hey, who's this guy? It was a half an hour before at the RNC convention. He's like, hey, I want you to endorse this guy when you go out there. It was a shock to everybody that was there, you know? So we don't know who's in his ear. I mean, I don't know. I, I could just imagine being I mean, you look, You know, you look at Chris Christie and James Comey, whoever just happens to whisper in his ear. So whether it's because he has core beliefs or he's a salesman or he's a fraudster, he's a narcissist, he picks horrible people. Yes, um, and he did it throughout his administration. So, all right. Since uh -oh. I don't have a piece of paper in front of me, and my mind works on hyperlinks, <laughs> and somebody mentioned liberal New York, so let's move to my wonderful city, the communist city of New York, and yesterday's events. And what, if anything, do they mean? It means that Eric Adams is doing a piece of crap job um, that was expected of him. The crime rates were continued or were expected to continue, they have done such, and it's just making the Democrats look worse and worse and worse. And uh, it's a horrible, tragic loss of life. I'm glad that they have arrested the gentleman, but it's just, it was expected. So, okay, first of all, are they gonna, if it was a terrorism, if it was what they say it is, is there a, I don't wanna go too racial, but is there a racial component? And as one author oh. pointed out, maybe if the FBI would leave alone trying to make Whitler plots and J6 plots, maybe they'd actually be able to foil Steve, these kind of plots. You, so you those are kind of my questions. You've clearly missed the boat on this. Apparently, the perpetrator was identifying as a white supremacist. Oh. And that led to the violence. That's what the terrorism charges are for? Because he was my, a white supremacist? I have to admit, you caught me, you caught me off my game. You're 100% right. <laughs> so so I think one of the interesting things of that story is that just like the cameras were suddenly off when it came to Epstein and there were no ca the cameras were suddenly out of order in, you know, the Las Vegas shooting. All of a sudden, the cameras in New York City subways didn't work for, you know, for this incident. Yeah. Why, why is it that whenever they need the cameras to be working, they're not working? Because maybe they're <laughs> almost never working and we only hear about it when something happens. Yeah. That would well, be one possibility. Sounded, well, so they've listed suspicious to say the least. Go ahead. I was just gonna say, so they've put out some of the stuff that the guys put on his Facebook page, Mr. James, ranting about police shootings of black people and repeatedly used racial epithets against white and Hispanic people. Uh, his linked Facebook account, he called former President Donald Trump, of course, this has to be a Trump thing, um, former President Donald Trump and his supporters racist and repeatedly posted violent images and memes, including one that said, you may not be able to beat him, but you sure as hell can shoot him. Of course, it's more Trump derangement syndrome. Oh, Lord. I, know, I think pretty much everybody would agree that if it were a Trump follower who did this, this would be not the lead story, but the only story. Yes, because they would and be I don't a know domestic terrorist. You guys who don't live in New York City, is it getting a lot of play today? Not for not for me, but I don't watch that stuff. So I really couldn't tell you if it's on CNN or anything because I won't turn it on. Yeah, I haven't seen anything here, but I haven't seen the haven't looked at a lot of TV either. So I just got newspaper just saying, articles. If it were a Trump supporter, it would be oh. treated somewhat differently. 
Of course. Most definitely. And there would be a manhunt this big as the J6 man. Yeah. This will be buried as soon as they can bury it, just like with the incident in uh, Wisconsin with the, the guy who drove over everybody. Right. Um, I still think yeah, it's interesting that they're already saying we'll never figure out it. What's that, Ed? Oh, I was just going to say, I think, yeah, I think it's too early to tell whether this is just a, a random act of violence or if it was terrorism, from, from, for at least from what I can see. I mean, yes, he has a bunch of Facebook postings that, that make him sound like he's a little crazy, but... Uh, terrorism to me is is more than just crazy. It it involves it's coordination. It's right. also got to be a political thing. Well, well, you yeah. know they're going to come out and say there's no way we'll ever find his motivation. Well, he was a career well, criminal. It looks like he had nine arrests in New York, three in New Jersey. So hey, at least career. he had at least he had a career, oh. right? So we can well, ce- celebrate bail reform, I guess. Again, in, yes, good in job. New York and New Jersey. I hear he was a person of interest to the FBI. How many mass shooters have been persons of interest to the Mm -hmm. FBI over the years? But like I said, they're busy with the J6 plots and the Whitler plot. That's why I know I shared one article about another person saying abolish the FBI because they don't do what they should do and they do do what they shouldn't do. Isn't that true for pretty much almost everything in the government today? Um, you're not going to get an argument from me if that's what you want. What do you guys well, think about so the government employees? We got to take vaccines again. If you guys, you guys following that, they've reversed it. Yeah, that ridiculous Fifth Circuit opinion. Yeah, it was absurd. But here we go again. John's still on suspension, so it's okay either way. Okay. But so just like um, getting back to this whole thing about the cities and violence, I, I found I found Al Sharpton's little tidbit from this week quite interesting. What did he say? He's saying that the Democratic Party is losing touch with with, um, you know, African-Americans, especially in the, in the cities that, the, you know, they actually I think he said something along the lines like they really uh, back the police and they want to live in a safe environment. And mm-hmm. it was just it's just fascinating how some, some of these characters like Sharpton can just come out and sort of, in a way, change their tune and, you know, check the, the way the winds are blowing. Um, but obviously, from our perspective, it's like this is this is what you want. This is what you voted for for all these years. You vote Democrat, mm-hmm. all right? They they turned the cities into garbage, and and now they've ever since the Black Lives Matter protests, let, letting these people run wild in the streets, commit act of violence, uh, and, and get away with it. Now, now you're concerned that people don't yeah. even want to want to go near a subway train in New York City. Like See, you don't want that. Thing- Go ahead, Gina. I was just going to say, so Black Lives Matter. So Patrice Colors, so she gets the $6 million mansion over in California. You guys have seen this? Yeah. $6 million yeah, BLM mansion. Stairs, you know, BLM stands for by large mansions. Yes. yes, yes. So she she bought herself a BLM, a, a whatever you said. And anyway, so now because people are calling her out because they had this $90 million that was brought into Black Lives Matter organization, they have no records of where most of this money's gone. This is the second large home. So first off, she said, you know, it was to build up Black artists or something like that. But now because people are coming at her and because they're talking about the 1099s and having documented where these funds have come and gone from all that. So now the 1099 is racist and traumatizing to poor Miss Colors. So, oh dear 
God, when, like, I, I just, I want to see all these people take these Black Lives Matter flags out their yard and throw them away. Like, y'all got flipping played. You're still getting played. And she's playing you now. Like, oh, dear. But, yeah. Like, how ridiculous. Let's not forget that Sharpton was BLM before BLM was BLM. Sharpton was inciting riots when they were still in diapers. That guy. Oh, my gosh. And I only said diapers because I want to talk about the diaper story which I believe is in Britain. Um, this gentleman, a gentleman in prison who had already transgendered and was moved to a, I can't say female prison because I can't define female, but he was transferred to a prison of the opposite or different gender or one of the other 62, came out identifying as a baby and he is insisting that they give him baby food and diapers. And I'm not making this up. I think that wouldn't go over well in the United States, but uh, in Britain, I suppose it would. Why should? Why listen? If you have a right to identify, you have a right to identify. How how can they? How can they dispute that? What if you identify as the president? Did you just go take over the administration? Or give that a shot. Well, we kind of have that right now, don't we? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Everybody saw the Saudi Arabian spoof. Yeah, yeah, that yeah, was well, hysterical. For those who say it's not embarrassing, I think it's embarrassing. Um, does he, they made Kamala out to be a lot smarter than she actually is? Though. <laughs> yes, she is. We could go anywhere with that one. Mm. Um, does the verdict in the Whitler case does it portend anything good? It just doesn't matter the fact that you know they can't convict these people that it's all FBI set up etc does it have any real meaning at all i, not I in think the great. not in the slightest no i mean they're going to get off but the fbi yeah, is still going to entrap people they're going to retry the two who were de- the two who are uh, you know de- where the jury was deadlocked um they're going to try him again and and hopefully get a better jury this time and convict him i mean they're they're going all in on this this hopes because they can't you know they can't admit that they're the Gestapo. I don't know. I think that's going to fall good with the next jury selection. If they've, I mean, everybody's going to know when it comes to jury selection, something about this case. And if it's being retried again, it's just, I, I think it's a good thing. Yeah, um, I, sadly, I think I agree with Ed. Yeah. That they won't give up and they'll just keep pushing because they can never admit that they're total frauds. Nick Riccata made a good point the other day, um, the lawyer who has a, a show on YouTube. Uh, he said that, you know, originally this idea of trying you again after a mistrial was absolutely not acceptable, that you, the prosecutors get one chance for a conviction period. That's it. That's what the framers meant <clears throat> by, uh, you know, twice Double placed, in, twice placed in jeopardy. Right. Double. So, uh, he said that this is yet another uh, appalling abuse of the Constitution to be able to retry someone um, if you don't get a conviction. Uh, but um, what can you say? That's the way the courts have screwed us. I got a question. Can I change things up real quick? Go for it. So, did a bird poop on Joe Biden? Or was it corn byproduct? I just am taking a poll real quick. 
Well, it could have been both, right? Could have been both, or the bird could be crapping out the corn product. <laughs> I think it was Corn Pop's bird that pooped. That's what bird. I'm reading, that it was Corn Pop. Yeah. There you go. Getting even with him, huh? Because <laughs> if the guy Sorry. didn't have bad enough luck, the poor guy. Sorry, I just wanted yeah. to bring that up. It's, it's funny that uh, not only does he do it in his pants, but he also gets it on his... Well, I mean, come on. He's been pooping on us for the last 16 months. So. <laughs> True story. True story. <laughs> uh. All right. I have no more hyperlinks. No more hyperlinks. <laughs> I will in a second. If you talk about something else, I'll come up with another hyperlink in my mind. But well, what do you guys is, think uh, are the big stories? This was kind of late breaking, but I... I did find the James O'Keefe Project Veritas stuff again really interesting in how we're just um, slouching towards a fascist state. Um, I don't know if you guys are all up to speed on it, but basically the Justice Department, uh, you know, basically confiscated property from Project Veritas as not shockingly, we're being spied upon left and right. And, you know, no, uh, you know, obviously the, the government not following um, uh, the constitution in terms of illegal searches and seizure. I mean, it's really, it's incredibly outrageous. It should scare the bejeez out of all of us. But then again, we've been moving in this direction for a while on so, on so many fronts that some, in some ways we're just not shocked by anything, but what's going on with project Veritas, I think is really scary. I'm not going to lie, I didn't read the emails. I got the links from Project Veritas earlier, James O'Keefe, but I did not read the list. There was a video out today. Yeah, I did, but I did see a story about how much they've been spying on Veritas, et cetera. So, yeah. Besides yeah. the breaching, the lawyer client privilege, and all those other issues. And uh, at the same time, what's going on uh, with Trudeau in Canada when it comes to the free press in that country? <laughs> is just also outrageous. Apparently now you have to have a license or jump through certain hoops in order to be a legitimate news source. And, uh, you know, one of those news sources, I forget the name, but it was on Tucker last night, but they're obviously a big target. Rebel news. Of, yeah. They're what is big, that? Rebel, Rebel news. Rebel they're news. clearly a big target of Trudeau's because God forbid they actually act like a real journalism outlet and try to hold his feet to the fire and ask legitimate questions. But, um, you know, Trudeau, after everything with the truckers and, and, you know, seizing bank accounts and everything like that, it's uh, also really, really troubling what's going on still uh, under his regime in Canada. So did they actually pass something to change it or they're just cracking down on something? They do have, I believe, a law that's been passed, if I'm not mistaken. Now, there's some caveats to it. That I don't recall all the specific details on, but clearly it's moving in the direction of government control of the media. Right is now, it, we're always so sure that the media or or coordination between the media and government. I mean, well, both. I guess in a place, I guess in Canada, the government. I don't think they can control it, take it over, but it's just coordination. And Trudeau is is making them cower, but. Uh, well, you know, well, you have Trudeau to passed a law there, a few you? years ago that basically uh, placed a lot of government funding into the, you know, privately owned media. Right. And the, um, the, 
uh, Democrats are trying to do that for the United States too, to prop up all of these failing legacy media um, right. mm-hmm. operations. And I don't think that, I don't think it's gotten, um, I don't think it's gotten a lot of traction so far, but I wouldn't be surprised if that's what happens. Um, snuck into one of these uh, must pass bills. Yeah. I, actually, in New Jersey, there's been some stuff like that, too, where there have been laws passed that benefit these legacy media outlets, whether it's like the Star Ledger, NJ.com. Um, but, you know, this is this is the, uh, you know, when you have government and private entities like this, I mean, that's that's what we're seeing. Hey, so talking about with bills. Go, go Gina. Did anybody see what happened in Oklahoma? Go for it. Oh my gosh, y'all, this is like big time. They banned all abortions in Oklahoma. The governor signed it yesterday. Ah. Oklahoma is the place for me. Yes. (laughs) Yes, this is wonderful. And the fine, let me see where the fine is. The fine is $100,000 and up to 10 years in prison for anybody that performs the abortion. So the only, so this excludes or does not exclude rape, does not exclude incest. The only thing um, is if the mother's life is actually in danger. So that's like your atopic pregnancy or that's in the fallopian tube. Um, and those are not abortions. Those are, those are medical terminations. So yay, Oklahoma. I just, you guys, come on, this is so good. I, I wonder that that might've been too large a bite at the apple though. I, I have a feeling that that'll be. I don't, I don't think so. Stop. I don't, uh, I don't think so. You know why? I mean, by definition, because isn't it unconstitutional? Is it unconstitutional? The Supreme Court's about to issue a ruling on Roe v. Wade, so it might not be unconstitutional for long. Correct. Yeah. So in 1973, there was no sonograms. There was no ultrasounds. They had no idea about embryology at that point. So they need to follow their own advice and follow the science and realize that life starts at conception and overturn it. Let's go, Amy Coney Barrett. We put you there for a reason. Let's go. Uh, I'm waiting, waiting for Ed to talk. (laughs) This is a subject we haven't talked about a lot, but. All I'll say is that life be, life doesn't begin at conception because living sperm is living. Oh, there you go. Sperm so is living human matter. Here we go. Living human matter. You don't you don't get life beginning it at conception. There, there right. it's already living human material. There you go. There you go. I'll, leave, I'll that's even better. All right, we well, can have an abortion debate another time. <laughs> Sorry, that made me happy. Yeah, I mean, does everybody think even if the Supreme Court chips away at Roe, (laughs) are they really going to overturn the whole thing? Yes. I'd be shocked. I would be shocked as well, because there aren't aren't any any real people in the court except Thomas who have any testicular fortitude. I mean, I I think Amy Comey Barrett might both on that one. Certainly, I think Kavanaugh is going to. Go for I it. Think, I think they're going to either completely or, or mostly overturn Roe. You think I so? Think, huh? I think so. Huh. Interesting. I'd be shocked. Yeah, but they're going to come out with something else. They're not going to ban early abortions. Well, if so they the turn court, it back to the states, that's all that matters. Right. right. The court's not going to ban anything. The court's going to allow states to 
make their own laws, I think. I think it's going to be a federalist yeah. opinion. The, the issue, though, I mean, one of the many issues is that they'd have to um, they'd have to op- overturn Griswold versus Connecticut because there are plenty of birth control methods, including the birth control pill and the IUD, which uh, rely on um, preventing implantation rather than conception. So I think that uh, if, you know, if a state like Oklahoma basically banned abortions um, from conception, um, the obvious logical, uh, you know, the, the logical consequence of that is to ban uh, the pill and IUD and, uh, you know, the RU486 and the, no, the logical the, consequence. That's not the, that, that might be the legislative logical consequence, but that's not the judicial logical consequence. In the court sense, doesn't ban. What's that? I said I mean, the court isn't the one doing the banning. No, 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 no. I mean the um, it, the Oklahoma law, right? I mean, so suppose the Oklahoma oh. law is is uh, upheld, um, that basically bans a whole class of birth control, which I think that um, which will then you know go up through the courts, and and the Supreme Court would then have to rule on whether you know uh, Griswold is still the law of the land, and I don't think the court is ready to overturn Griswold. So there are, there are real practical difficulties in, in banning, um, you know, abortions. Um, Not really. Before a couple of weeks anyway, you know. Not that, really. That, it's pretty cut and dry. It really is. Either you believe in the sanctity of life or you don't. Well, you, and, you can certainly believe in the sanctity of life, but recognize that there are these, um, these difficulties, right? I mean, that because I, you know, I think if you if you asked people, you know, I, I think it's like, do you think early, early abortion should be banned? You know, I think it's like yes. 67 no to 33 yes. But if you ask people, do you think birth control should be banned? You're gonna get like probably 85 well, no. Birth, birth control, birth control and the day after pill are two separate things. So the, yeah, that's two completely separate things. So when you have an IUD placed in your cervix, you're not having implantation to begin with. So when you have the abortion pills, that is to reject and start the process of aborting where that sperm has already crossed over. That is not the same with an IUD. So well, an IUD doesn't prevent conception. It's just when the when the conception right. happens in in the you know in the area in the fallopian tubes, and then it comes down the 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 fertilized egg comes down and implants, and then the IUD prevents implantation. But you know, conception has already happened. So eh. Um, not eh, that's true. <laughs> yeah, kind of, sort of ish. Not kind of, sort of. It's one hundred percent true. There's nothing false no. in that statement. <laughs> Okay, okay, I'm gonna just say okie dokie. I will agree, differ, agree, whatever, whatever you want to say. Because there's different types of IUDs, and there's some with copper. There's different kinds of IUDs. So there's Mirena, there's copper, there's all kinds of different things, and there were things prevented. And I can't give you all the medical mumbo jumbo with the IUDs. I've had IUDs. I know all about them, but. It depends on what the IUD is. Some of them actually have hormones in them. So they're just, they're different. They are different. So that part is what you would have to research. Yeah. So like but a Mirena My understanding IUD, is that all of them are premise are, are based on preventing implement implantation, not preventing fertilization. Okay. Yeah, maybe, it's interesting. Um, Islam, I'm just telling you that I'm not approving 
Islam defines um, life at implantation rather than conception. So when they, um, when Islamic countries uh, ban abortion, they only ban it from implantation. That happens to be the- How can you have an abortion pre-implantation? I just told you. <laughs> that wouldn't be an abortion. I, I just told you when you kill a, 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 a fertilized egg, that's an abortion. When you kill Okay, a, so if you kill- And if it's a fertilized egg, that's already implantation. I don't- But no, I, Anne, I thought that if you prevent implantation, that's not killing it, right? That's letting it starve to death, right? Oh, and whether that's killing is a whole nother story. But if you kill the fertilized egg in, in a test tube, Will we also say that's abortion? Yes. Right, but I think very few people would say that. I think you have a much bigger uphill climb on that one. Probably, but I'm willing to die on that hill, so it's all good. We don't want to see you dead, Gina, so let's try a different tack. (laughs) (laughs) I think one, one simple solution is to let states be states. And there's already Yelp, I think, is paying its employees to cross state lines to get abortions. Let the states do what states do. And people who have lost access, there'll be plenty of private entities and charities that will help them get it anyway. Because there's no other California. I don't think think any of us disagree with the idea that um, the states uh, should be freed of the federal government on this. The question is uh, um, the amount of interference in the states by the federal government on these sorts of issues goes way beyond Roe. Um, and that's kind of what I think that people don't realize. If, if Roe is completely overturned and it goes back to the states, there are all of these other federal interferences with, um, uh, you know, in the idea of, uh, abortion legislative and 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 so you know they they would all rear their heads as well so it's a much more complicated when when you get like when you get like before the i guess before two weeks after conception um you get all sorts of of other federal interferences that would have to be thrown out too and I, i you know i don't know whether the court's ready to do that well question i have too is like you know, I've always kind of been sympathetic to the idea that it was badly a bad ruling, an incorrect ruling, and the state should have had the say in uh, the abortion issue. But when you have a constitution, also in a Bill of Rights, it talks about the right to life, right? Is that not uh, is that not a legitimate argument for the federal government's role in this issue? Right in the in the Mike, you just made the argument for gay marriage. You just made the argument for How so? the, the 14th Amendment is the same vehicle. They're using the same language in the 14th I'm talking Amendment. about I'm talking about the language of the, your right to life. Where which which the, right? Where is your right to life con- in the Constitution? Well, the Fifth Amendment. But the, the, the Fifth the, Amendment the fifth doesn't apply the 14th, to the states. Right. Yeah. What's that? I said the Fifth Amendment doesn't apply to the states. The 14th is what applies to the states. And it's the 14th Amendment's expansive language on the right to life uh, to due process that has led to all these expansions of federal rights for gays and transgenders and all sorts of other people. Uh, The 14th Amendment has basically swallowed and 
and reverse the 10th amendment. We don't really have federalism because the 14th amendment federalizes all these cultural issues. Ed, can you maybe explain, can you explain as a lawyer what due process has to do with gay marriage? That's well, a long it's, story. it is a long story and it really, I mean, we, I don't know that we have time to get into it, but it, it really relates back to the 1878 decisions in the slaughterhouse cases where the Supreme Court basically read out of the Constitution the, uh, the Privileges and Immunities Clause of the 14th Amendment, and it dealt with um, a New Orleans law on meat slaughterhouses. Uh, it was a regulation of the meat slaughterhouses in Louisiana, in, in New Orleans, and it was challenged as violating the 14th Amendment, and uh, the Supreme Court said, no, the, under the 14th Amendment, states have the right, have the power to do you know, to do what, you know, have the, have the power to, to regulate businesses. And it was basically the kind of federalist opinion that we're advocating here on this show today. But there was, a, there was a general belief that it was decided wrongly. And that uh, if there weren't going to be privileges and immunities, we had to find a liberty interest somewhere and the court found it in the due process clause. That's the short version of how it. Okay. How it I mean, I, I thought I know what the words mean. So how in those words do you find this? Well, there's this like thing called substantive emanations. Right, what, what does that mean in English? Uh, well, I mean, it means that the court has uh, created this new thing called substantive process, which doesn't have anything to do with substance, due, or process that um, basically allows the court to decree anything they want and overturn any mostly state laws that I, I can't I, I don't even remember the last time they overturned a federal law. I mean, the, the interesting thing is that, you know, the federal courts were supposed to be a break on the federal government. Of course, they weren't. Um, they ended up being, you know, trying to impose uh, what they believed to be liberty interests on the states. And the states were meant to be um, a check on the federal government and they've been completely neutered. So it's, it's a really bizarre thing. It's, it's like, you know, the state governments can't do anything now without the federal government intervening, but the federal government can do whatever it wants, which is exact opposite of the original intent of the constitution. Right. And the states were neutered by that 14th amendment. That's, that's where the neutering came from. To be honest, I think the states were new, you know, okay. Yes, certainly there was an intent by the framers of the 14th Amendment to neuter the states with regard to, um, with, with regard to certain aspects of the way they treated newly freed slaves. On the other hand, I do think the states have um, basically ceded their sovereignty. The state legislatures have ceded their sovereignty to the federal government because they essentially did not want the responsibility of having to deal, uh, having to fight back. Um, because when they do fight back on the rare occasions that they fight back, like in sanctuary cities or marijuana or something like that, um, no matter what you think of either of the two, uh, uh, they win because the federal government just doesn't, you know, have the strength to enforce things anymore. So I, I, I do think except for, the, except for the Arizona SB 7, uh, 10, 1040 bill. Or 1070, that's, I guess, but that's yes. a rare, yeah. Yeah, I mean, occasionally the states will try to do something that is so completely within their power and constitutional that the feds can't possibly uh, let it stand. But, um, you know, the 
the states do have power if they exercised it. They, they had the power to um, deal with the election irregularities in 2020. Right. And they didn't take it. You know, the, the states have basically, I, I agree that the 14th Amendment, you know, caused some of the problems. But I really think that most politicians, the reason the Supreme Court has all this power is not because they get it um, from the Constitution. It's because every legislature would rather rely on some appointed body to implement policy than to actually have to take a vote on it and implement the policy themselves. Um, I, I think that's fair. Are you kind of uh, talking about McCain-Feingold here? Well, among other things. Um, but, and I uh, agree with you. None of them were responsibility. And I think one other small ingredient is money. Everybody wants to stay in the good graces of the feds because they got all the money. Yeah. Yeah, so that's the, you know, that's the problem. Um, you know, I, I think that, uh, you know, one out of every hundred times the, the courts do something pro-liberty. Uh, but the other 99% of the time, they, they do things that are anti-liberty. And I, I think sometimes when libertarians say, look, we've got to get the courts out of the business of ruling on these things, um, like Mark Levin did in, in his book, The Liberty Amendments, people are saying, oh, no, my goodness, who will protect our liberties if we don't have the courts in there? And like, they're not doing it, right? I mean, they're not doing it now. So, uh, Well, the only people who are supposed to protect our liberties are voters by voting people out of Congress and voting people out of the houses of, of representatives. So that's really, we're the ones at fault. And then you get this, I, I'm sorry that I came in late. I didn't know whether you... Um, whether you uh, talked about it, but we, we get sort of absurdities where uh, the Republicans uh, who are supposed to be in the opposition uh, nominate people like Dr. Oz, who are no different than... Uh, we did start with that, and we, I want to hear your opinion. We started with that, actually, or got to it very early. Is Dr. Oz really that bad, and is this just another one of Trump's ridiculous um, looking at people with uh, rosy colored glasses? What do you make of it? I read two articles, the Kurt Schlichter article, which said basically that, you know, Trump keeps shooting himself in the foot. And um, Schlichter is like, you know, he, he, his, his comment was he's very unsympathetic with regard to politicians. He thinks that the politicians serve us. And if they're serving us, great. If they're not serving us, get a new one. And so he, he likes Trump, but he's very unsympathetic. If, if, or if, if Trump isn't doing the right thing, get somebody else. Um, on the other hand, I read this other article by a guy saying, no, 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 wait, 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 that the, the guy Oz is against is worse, it, is worse and uh, goes into a number of the different, you know, important topics, immigration and whatnot, that he's worse than Dr. Oz on. Um, but what he actually said was, and which explains everything, he said uh, back in 2015 and 2016, um, Dr. Oz uh, uh, defended Trump and uh, this this guy Richland or Richmond what's his name uh, he McCormick he, McCormick yeah all right whatever my brain is not working but he he has uh, said anti-Trump things um, and that's just it for Trump it's all loyalty whoa 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 so that sounds like what something uh, that Steve said about a half hour ago I apologize it, you call it loyalty I call it sucking up 
Um, if yeah. you suck up to Trump around. in that way, then he doesn't care what you believe in. He doesn't care what you stand for, what you fight for. Yeah, if so, you support Trump. Yeah, if you support Trump, if you say, I'm your guy, I'm going to support you in whatever you do, you could be a communist and he'd still be in favor of you. And you, yeah, that, you that's what I think. And if you're somebody who, who basically, uh, you know, and I think Rand Paul kind of ran, uh, he, he threaded the needle fairly well during Trump's administration by, by telling Trump about how much he supports him, supports him, supports him, but also trying to guide Trump into a more pro-liberty uh, stance. And so I think that's kind of, if you're going to have to deal with a Trump, you have to do it that way. In fact, I mean, if I, if I were Pelosi or Schumer and I wanted to get something crazy, you know, um, all, uh, instead of screaming that Trump is Hitler and he's all, all you'd have to do is like, oh, you know, treat him like they treated him when he was a Democrat, you know, you're the second coming of the of Jesus and we love you, we love you. Could you just sign this bill that nationalizes elections? Or could you sign this bill that, you know, um, creates a new uh, uh, medical entitlement or Medicare for all or all that? I mean, if they had just sucked up to him, they could have easily gotten Medicare for all. Cause all that's, I, I don't think Trump really had a, an opinion on that other than he didn't like the current system. So it was weird that Pelosi and Schumer were so grotesquely against their own interests in this. Um, but that's what happened. Because they, they were they thought that they're protecting their base loving them and they didn't want to be seen as sucking up to Trump. But I've known narcissists personally who are literally like that, which is why I ascribe that to Trump. If you suck up to them, then nothing that they believed until that moment um, is true anymore. And they will totally flip and flop. So yeah, yeah. I mean, and Trump, you know, again, I like the guy. I like what he did. He was probably one of the best presidents at least until COVID uh, in my lifetime. But okay, um, I want to well, comment on one other thing you said. How many people are still on the show here? Everybody here? Yes, I think Gina left. Yep. Okay. If Ed Powell were Schumer or Pelosi, what are the odds of him being on this show? <laughs> Doubt it. But, uh... I mean, we may invite you, but I don't know if you'd show up. So. Well, I mean, I, you know, I think that... Uh, I, I think that the left likes to be in its little bubble, right? And that's why um, no one will debate anyone uh, from the left. Yeah. You know, the right always says, hey, I want to debate on X, Y, or Z. And, uh, never, the like, never. No. Yeah. Yeah, no. What do you um, guys make? I mean, I guess it's no surprise that McConnell is helping out with uh, Cheney. Of course. See, McConnell is all about like Republican Party, right? He's He's Republican. Liz Cheney's a Republican. He's going to help her. He has no principles. But, but there'll be another Republican against her in a primary, and he doesn't have to do this. And I think it just proves how unbelievably worthless and horrible he is. Yes, he's worthless and horrible, but we already knew that. I mean, he's not supporting her in a general election where he has that excuse. He's supporting her in a primary, and that's disgusting because she has very little backup otherwise. But he saved the Supreme Court, so he has that political capital. He saved the Supreme Court. Yeah, that's what yeah. he'll put on his, uh, on his gravestone, mm -hmm. apparently, underneath the picture of the uh, turtle. The murder <laughs> turtle. I, I know, he, again, he is a funny guy because, like I said, as legislators, they want to 
divest all of their legislative power to either the administrative state on one hand or the courts on the other. So they don't actually have to take a stand on anything. Mm -hmm. Um, now, I would say they do like naming post offices. Yes, naming post offices or whatever. But what um, I think McConnell really wants some conservative policies implemented. He just doesn't want to do it himself. So that's why he's pretty good on getting um, judges appointed uh, that are relatively right of center. Um, he, he wouldn't dare try to implement a policy um, like, for instance, uh, repealing the refugee law, or repealing the Gun Control Act of 1968, or repealing the National Firearms Act, or any, you know, anything that's, uh, um, that's seriously pro-liberty. Uh, he, wouldn't, he wouldn't think well, of Well, that, that's where we could appropriately use the S word, substantive. Yeah. That's where the word belongs. And no, he doesn't do anything substantive other than the judges. And I, I don't know if he believes in anything. I don't happen to think he does, other than his own power. Oh, I don't think he's completely without uh, desires, you know, I mean, I mean uh, po political des desires, you know, I don't think he has any principles, but I mean, I, I, I always thought that Mitch McConnell is the perfect conservative because he just wants things to stay the same. He wants to conserve the status quo. And in fact, most of the Republican senators, if you ask them what they're going to conserve and they were under, you know, they had a, a polygraph strapped to them, they'd all say the status quo. You know, that's what they want to conserve. They want to conserve the status quo. And a few well, senators don't, you know, a few senators want to conserve the Constitution, whether it's Rand Paul or maybe Ted Cruz, although he's a little weird. Um, you know, I, I think there are yeah. people want who to, want to want conserve to conserve, the Constitution. Their seat. <laughs> well, yeah, they want to conserve their seat. But see, yeah, that's the weird thing. It's like most most real people like. I think, you know, we all have careers and, and most people's careers have ups and downs, right? Like my dad, you know, his career, you know, he got, he got really high, but then the management changed and he got laid off and then he's got to build himself up, you know, so there's ups and downs in your career, but you're always aiming a little bit higher. But I think these politicians sometimes get in the Senate and it's like, this is it, baby, you know, 36 years, at least I'm going to stay here. I'm going to cash in. I'm going to set up the little, uh, you know, the little foreign uh, uh, foreign contacts through my brother or my son. I'm going to rake in the cash and I'm going to show up occasionally. Um, but then you get, you know, occasionally you get somebody like Ron Johnson. Ron Johnson has really stuck his neck out uh, by platforming some of the vaccine skeptics. And I don't know whether we're going to get kicked off of Facebook or YouTube, but, uh, you know, the newest... Um, the newest data that I saw today out of New Zealand had the, uh, the infection rate for the triple vaxxed at three times the infection rate of the non-vaxxed. Now that's infection rate, not death rate. I did not see that data, but um, you know, and Ron Johnson is, is platforming people who are trying to point this out and you know, good for him. Um, so, you know, I like him. I like Rand Paul, obviously. I, you know, I occasionally like Ted Cruz. I can't think of anybody else who I really like in the Senate, who, who actually I think has principles beyond the, the status quo and his own job. Well, I, I'll tell you, I realize that it's like they're on to the next crisis and it's Russia and Ukraine. And we haven't talked a lot about COVID the last few episodes, but it's interesting to me how 
there's just no discussion of, hey, isn't it time for the fourth jab? <laughs> Nobody seems to, it, it's not even it's not even a topic of conversation. The fact that your third one, if you got it, is probably all worn worn off by now. Let alone if you only yeah. have two. It's just it's pretty fascinating, actually, how this is just like. Yeah, the data on Israel, I mean, I, again, I, nothing they do with these, uh, you know, with these uh, studies of the vaccine and COVID um, have, uh, you know, inspire a lot of confidence. But to the extent that antibodies measure protection, which, of course, they probably don't, um, the length of quote unquote protection from the fourth jab out of Israel is like six weeks or less. And, uh, you know, that, and, you know, of course, if it was completely safe and effective, uh, you might go for six weeks or less, but can you imagine them like, okay, every six weeks, you're going to get a new one of these jabs. I mean, that, that's nuts. I mean, why would anybody do that? It's just crazy. Now we're still the two to four year olds are still masked in my city. Well, you know, listen, Steve, where we are, we keep getting subject to the uh, to the ads out, out of New York pushing the jab on kids. I mean, they're still at that. They are yeah, doing that. I don't watch ads. Oh, yeah. That's child abuse. I mean, these people yeah. ought to be in prison for doing that, to be honest. And speaking of Dante's levels of hell, that was I referred to earlier. Absolutely. Abs absolutely. Absolutely. The, the, the child abuse is the transgender oh. stuff going on in Florida and elsewhere. That we're the criminals not allowing children to chop off their organs. And I, I just don't get it in a world where your kid can't take Tylenol in school, but your seven-year-old can, without your permission, chop off an organ. I, I just don't get it. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think that, I mean, this is one part of the attack on the family, which was started back in the, you know, 1800s with, the Jacobins and then, you know, Marx, uh, that the family is one of the bulwarks against, uh, you know, communism. The state, the state and communism. So I have an interesting question. Well, I was just gonna Go say, I think, it's, I think it's not just an, I think it is an attack on the family, but primarily I think it's just an attempt to create a new, uh, you know, a voter base, a constituency for them. People that are, that are messed up mentally are not going to be strong, independent people. They're going to need help. And if they mess these kids up at a young age, they're going to need help 10, 20 years down the road when they start voting, and they're going to be Democrat voters. That's that's how I see it. I, well, I don't think it's any more a prediction. It's the reality. That's what they have created. So... It's... um. Uh... Yeah, it's hard. It's hard to disagree. Well, I mean, I, I don't think it has to do with voters. I, I think it has to do with they want to restructure society. You know, I mean, they want to. They're, you know, they're. They mainstream the and normalize the insanity. It, yes, they're normalizing insanity, but because they want the continuous revolution, right? I mean, they want a revolution a continuous revolution. And that's, you know, that's a very Maoist thing, but that's their, that's their goal. And I think they, um, to have, you know, the, so name something that's quote unquote normal, just anything that's normal 
um, and, uh, you know, for the United States, and they want to destroy it. And, you know, the family is that way, sexuality is that way. I mean, the, here I live in a single family home, they want to destroy that, right? They, they want to be able to buy up the, you know, little pieces of land and stick high rise low income housing in the middle of, um, you know, in the middle of suburban neighborhoods. I mean, everything in California, they're banning single family homes or something. Well, even so, yeah, in some places in California, I think they are yeah. trying to ban it. But I mean, the, the, see, the, you know, what they wanted to do in Virginia until um, a lot of rich people got together and said, oh, wait, 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 um, was basically, you know, I live in a, a I live in a, a single family neighborhood and, and uh, you know, there's a there's an empty plot of land, uh, you know, off to the off to the side, which is kind of forest slash park or whatever. But wouldn't it be great if you could take that property and stick like a 12 story or, or 14 story um, low income housing and then stuff it full with, uh, you know, all sorts of, of low income people, you know, wouldn't that be great? And then, you know, and because the, our neighborhood isn't white at all, it's like minority Asian, but, uh, but uh, you know they're they're all white adjacent, you know, and so um, bringing all of these uh, minorities and refugees and whatnot, I wouldn't that improve the diversity of the neighborhood? And I, I yeah, w it would definitely destroy the neighborhood. Absolutely. Agenda twenty one. Yeah. So I mean, I think that's actually what their idea is. Just think of anything that's quote unquote normal that that everybody thinks sh it should be the ideal. What you know, whether it's you know free speech or single family home oh, i mean come on or you know <laughs> raising your own children or or instilling them with your values or just anything that's normal mental health uh physical health the fat you know the fat acceptance movement right i mean the uh you know fat is good you know just anything that's normal and they will be in favor of destroying it well, of course, I think the people it, who are good on that are Prager is very good on that. And I think Victor David Davis Hanson is very good on those things. Yeah. Well, I mean, in, New, yeah. In, New, in New Jersey, we have had this communistic approach to housing for years. They started with something called the Mount Laurel decisions. Um, but basically, like any time a developer comes into a town or a city and wants to build something, so many of those units have to be uh, affordable housing. And yeah. you have a lot of towns across New Jersey, mine included, where there's really no place else to build. And what it's done is it's put some town councils and mayors in the position of being very afraid of those limited parcels that happen to maybe come on the market or what have you, that if they don't do something about it, if they don't try to buy it up themselves, perhaps even, that some developer is going to come in and jam taxpayer subsidized affordable housing in, in the town. Yeah. Um, and again, I've had, had, had that happen in my town right now. There are several parcels that are uh, contra this controversy because the town wants to buy them and prevent that from happening. So the, the, legal underpinning is, of the, Mount, the legal underpinning of the Mount Laurel decision is that single families zoning is racist. Right. And that... Uh, it, and, and as a consequence, not only does the government have an obligation to, to provide those, you know, to, to provide, make sure the housing is there, they have what's called the builder's remedy. The builders are allowed to sue in order to build these, pro these properties if they're denied either variances or, or zoning approval. Yeah. In our, you know, Ed, both my Ed, as, you, as you verbalize those words, 
single family housing is racist. It just hit me in the gut how racist that phrase is. Yes. And you have a right to to live near where you work, apparently. That's a right, too. In both my old neighborhood and my new neighborhood in Fairfax County in Virginia, there is this uh, rule. In the, it's a county rule that you have to, any development has to have what they call affordable dwelling units, ADUs associated with it. So if they're going to build, you know, $500,000 houses, they have to also build some fraction of $250,000 houses or, or, or whatever. And, and so what it means in this neighborhood is like far at the end of the road, there's a bunch of townhouses in our, in our neighborhood that they built, even though they wanted to build an all single family home neighborhood. And our previous neighborhood, which was a townhouse neighborhood, they, they built really nice townhouses, but at the far end of the road, they had the really crappy ones. And um, I, I got to tell you that uh, from the standpoint of, of making the neighborhood nice, um, the ADUs, well, the, the number one problem is renters, but the, uh, right after that are the ADUs. So it's, it's really an attempt to, um, it, it's really an attempt to, uh, to really ruin these neighborhoods. Now, the interesting thing is obviously, you know, if you have a, a if you have a million dollar houses and then you have $600,000 ADUs, you're still getting, you know, fairly wealthy people. Uh, but if they ever start to say, no, 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 we're going to let you build shacks, you know, let you build $150,000 houses that, or condos within the big high rise, you know, $150,000 subsidized section eight housing, then the neighborhoods will all be destroyed. And, and you, if, if you've seen people, you know, move out of the cities over the last years, they, they'll be moving out into the middle of nowhere uh, once they do that. Well, that's what Zoom is for. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, just think of anything normal in your life. Anything normal. Disney movies. You know, what, when we're growing up, what could be more normal than watching a Disney movie? Conserve things that used to be normal. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, watching a Disney movie like The Lion King or Cinderella or something like that. I mean, that's perfectly normal for a child, right? Okay. We have to destroy it. Normal is just a euphemism for racist. Come on now. Normal is just a euphemism for racist. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's mm-hmm. it. I mean, you just go around. Let's take a walk outside and look at all the things that are normal. And yeah. you will know what they are trying to destroy. Normal, expected, you know, customary, traditional, you know, all these terms for, um, you know, all the things we loved when we grew up. Everything we loved is, is racist and will be destroyed. You know, we're, we're kind of getting towards the end of the show, but there are a couple of topics that we haven't gotten to that I think we need to at least talk about briefly. I mean, uh, one is what's going on in China, Shanghai. Uh, another is the, the inflation news that's come out. Um, you know, I had a friend, you know, as far as the inflation news, I had a friend forward me a really short, I don't know, 30 second clip from Janet Yellen. Uh, that I, I guess she gave just a couple of days ago, where she talked about the need to th- that the window for addressing climate change is closing, and that they have to they have to move and move quickly. And together with the inflation news, it's sort of not sort of it suggests to me that uh, well that statement and then the the repeated the repeated attempts to 
to tie the inflation to Putin and Putin's war suggests to me that the administration is, is not going to take any responsibility for inflation and is not going to look to fight inflation. And I think that there's, they're going to, they're going to, well, they, they don't control the Fed directly, but I think that the word is out to the Fed that the rate hikes that they're planning are going to be postponed. I, I think the May hike will probably take place, but I think ultimately they're going to go in the they're going to go on the side of inflation, and they're going to use the inflation and the high energy prices as a justification to try and ram through the Green New Deal and whatever's left of the Green New Deal. I think that's the, the game plan that's in play. Uh, in fact, if, if the Fed does stick to its guns and raise rates, it will crash the economy. It will crash the credit markets. Um, and I don't think they're going to want to do that. I think that they're going to, I think that everybody is going to play the same game and they're going to use the inflation to try and get whatever uh, political goals they want to get. Um, but that was, you know, that was, one, you know, that was one story I wanted to make sure we had talked about. And I mean, what's going on in Shanghai is just unbelievable to me. I mean, Tucker has done a couple of stories about it this week and, uh, you know, they've turned a, a city of 26 million people into a prison camp. And it's just, it's just incredible. And they're doing it on the basis of COVID, which is obviously a pretext, you know, what their, what their ultimate motive is. Um, you know, I can speculate a couple of possible motives, but uh, it, it's really sinister to me. Well, I mean, it's certainly sinister. I, I don't know whether their motive isn't just they're so stupid. I, I, you know, because they are, they're communists. They're not smart people when it comes to being able to try to figure out solutions to issues that don't involve concentration camps. You know, I miss. Mean, what is the problem they're trying to solve, though? Oh, they are stuck on zero COVID. They want to stamp it out rather than letting it um, run through their population. And I think that's ridiculous. And I, I think that's their, their issue, right? I mean, that's the. I mean, I can see other, I mean, to me, that seems like a rationalization. Um, I just can't believe, I mean, the level of stupidity that would be needed to, to implement that policy, given the state of knowledge today, it's, I, I mean, it's, it's it like, stupid. it's two years. And finally, Fauci is saying, well, maybe we ought to not, <laughs> maybe we ought to give up oh, our, yeah. our COVID. I mean, you know, so I, everybody who's in the sort of, you know, dictatorial said, well, we, dictatorial position like Fauci was thinks, well, we can stamp this out. And we all knew like two years ago that, hey, this is not going to be stamped out. So, that, was, that wasn't even the stated goal. That wasn't even the stated goal at the beginning. There was a let, me, let me throw spread. a couple of speculations yeah. at you. Number one, you've got 26 million people locked down. Those are people that would ordinarily be working in factories that are supplying us goods. So maybe the goal here is to exacerbate the supply chain problems that the West is having. And the inflation, right? Because it's more and money chasing correct. free goods, right? Yeah. Correct. So exactly. Um, yes, I think that could very well be a an issue. Um, I don't know why they need to go lock down. They could just stop. They should just refuse to like ship stuff to the United States. Um, they could, I, but this is a good pretext. I mean, that would be more of an act of war, whereas this, you know, you can't blame me. I mean, and if anything, Biden might be cheering them on because this gives the Democrats a pretext to do the same thing here. So that's one possibility. I know Tucker's thesis is that there's a, a communist party meeting in, in the fall and that this is their election season. I yeah. kind of don't buy that one, but um, it's possible. Well, there, um, the interesting thing was I read this article the other day um, that said the Chinese 
had a plan to take Taiwan before this October right. Meeting. That was going to be my third speculation. And um, the thinking is that they are reconsidering this plan after um, you know the the disastrous performance of the Russian army in, in Ukraine. Um, whether they fully reconsider it and don't do it, or whether they actually go through with it, um, I, I don't know. Uh, but uh, I was sort of looking at it from the other side that they're that they are going to go forward with it, and they're most afraid of dissent coming out of Shanghai, so they're preemptively shutting it down so that dissent doesn't even get to start. I, I certainly think that you know cracking down on dissent is in their wheelhouse, but all this is going to do is turn everybody off of the Chinese Communist Party, right? Because A, it's not stopping COVID and B, um, you know, all these people are in Shanghai or at least partially uh, were in the idea that the point of the Chinese Communist Party was to leave them alone so they could make themselves and the country rich and they're not doing that anymore. So especially if people start actually starving to death, which if they keep it shut down for another week, they will. Well, apparently they were already. Well, there's a difference between starving and starving to death, right? Okay. Takes about three <laughs> weeks to do that. <laughs> Takes about three weeks to do the second. Um, so I, I don't know. I, it, I, I, I do think that, um, I, I do think that, uh, you know, that again, this, this article was based on intelligence reports actually coming out of Russia because um, Russia is leaking like a sieve now because of the, you know, again, because of the disaster. Um, at that, that Xi had arranged this with, uh, with Putin, that Putin would take Ukraine in the spring and then, then uh, Xi would back him on that. And then Xi would take, um, take Taiwan in the fall and, and Putin would back him for that. So that was the uh, that was thing. Now, of course, it didn't work out that way for Putin. So I don't know whether the, the Chinese will go through with it. Um, I, we'll see. I still think they will. And I think it'll be before the fall. I think it's going to be over the summer or late summer. Well, well the U.S. is in, in trouble, you know, I mean, the, as far as readiness is concerned. And that's another, um, you know, that's another thing that uh, our glorious president has uh, made worse. Um, intentionally. Intentionally. So, yeah, but I mean, we, there is a law in the United States signed by Congress and passed and, or passed by Congress and signed by the president that the United States would uh, defend Taiwan. Now, I, it's a different, you know, it's different than a treaty, but, but I, you know, we, if the Chinese do attack Taiwan, it will mean the United States goes to war with China. So get ready for not having anything at uh, Walmart in the fall if this happens. Well, I mean, I, I see, I, I always ascribe the most sinister motion possible, uh, motive possible to Biden's, to the Democrats. And I think they not only want war, I think they're setting us up for a humiliating defeat. I've said that before on this show. And I think that they're, that that's the plan. They're going to, they're going to set up, up, set us up for a defeat. It's going to help crash the dollar. And depending upon how it comes to be, we could see martial law in, in the U.S., I, I think that's plausible. I, I just the the thing is that when when somebody loses a disastrous war, like you know the war in Ukraine, I mean, if they're if if Putin really 
lose the war, it's the end of his regime, right? I mean, nobody will want him in power. And I think that's the same thing with the United States. If the United States loses a disastrous war in the Far East, then it'll be the end of the current regime. And by what the current, does that mean? Does that mean that it, that sets right? It, what does it mean? Does it mean it could mean one of a number of things? It could mean the martial law and the and the right. uh, it could the, just end elections and the communists and, take over, like you right. suggest, or it could mean that the whole establishment gets tossed out and we get a or a, a, a right. military dictatorship, or we get a, a dissolution, or you know, there's all sorts of things that could happen, or we get all combination of all these. Um, so I, the thing is that when you when you planning to lose a war, unless you're the Duchy of Grand Fenwick, um, is uh, is never a good idea, right? Because it means that there's going to be huge changes, and so you're rolling the dice, and you're hoping you're going to hit. And if you don't hit, you're all going to be dead. Because again, if a if an anti-communist, uh, you know, um, Pinochet like dictatorship takes over in the United States after this regime change. Um, you know, all these people uh, in Washington, D.C. who have propped up, and New York City, who have propped up the old regime, they're all going to be taken on helicopter rides. So I right. don't... If you look at things like that Robert Reich article that we discussed, I don't know if it was before you came on or not. Yeah, yeah, no, I read people that. Don't, I mean, I don't think they think it's possible. I think that they just see themselves as as the vanguard of history, and they don't even see a possibility that they could lose. I, I don't believe so. Okay, well, that very well be could be true. I mean, I, the Reich article was just unbelievable in stupidity, and yet Reich isn't. I mean, I, I think Reich could do well on a on an IQ test, but I mean, wow, was that the dumbest thing I've ever read? <laughs> so, all right, folks, are we ready to wrap? Yep. Go ahead and rap, Mike. No, I'm good. Go, go I was ahead. talking RAP. What did you hear? <laughs> no, I All think right. we're good. We're, we're kind of long right now anyway. So. Okie dokie. Well, with that, we'll wrap up. We'll see everybody uh, next week. Let me, just say one, let me say one thing and wrap sure. it up. We, we, we didn't talk much about Russia and Ukraine other than Ed, Ed Powell's comments. And uh, we shouldn't let a show go by without at least mentioning what's going on there. And uh, there's not a whole lot of new news. I mean, the hookah... Uh, atrocity is still in, in dispute. Um, you know, there's still, you know, the, you know, there's talk, I think you should, should send some articles around about uh, Russia maybe being expelled from the UN or expelled from the Human Rights Council. Um, I don't think any of that's going to happen. Um, well, they were that, expelled from the Human Rights Council. That, that oh, they were? Yeah. And by the General Assembly. Right. Because that's a General Assembly. No, last week. That was pretty amazing, too. Yeah, by so, an overwhelming vote, but not the Security Council. But. Uh, it's it's just a story to, to keep watching and to, you know, we shouldn't let a week go by without at least addressing it. So I just wanted to make sure we said something. Right. Yeah, I mean, just from the military standpoint, the Russians are moving a lot of their um, forces from the north over to the east. And they're trying to, you know, uh, do an offensive south from Izium to cut off the... Um, it's just sort of encircle the Ukrainian forces and um, they're feeding they're feeding forces in in piecemeal. And so while they are making some progress, they are getting their asses kicked. And I just they they're everything I ever learned about military science, they're violating. And so I wonder whether they're just not going to just throw 
everything at the Ukrainians. Just, just you know, in uh, insane World War One kind of crazy tactics. I, I think that's what they're left with because they can't seem to really get anything going that ha that that um, has any momentum behind it. So my my guess is that they're going to do the Battle of the Somme again. They're just going to throw everybody at all at once and if they win they win and if they lose the regime will collapse okay we'll see. more about that next week we'll see you all next week we'll be up as a podcast within hopefully an hour or so please send any feedback on the show to the conservatarian exchange at libertyblock.com and thank you all very much for being here with us today <laughs>